For all you politics fans out there, here's a bonus bit that would have ended up on the cutting room floor. An interview that I did, or a discussion perhaps I did, with Alistair Ramsey about the Legislative Council. An agenda bonus. Before I go too far, I should declare an interest as uh, someone who stood for LegCo um, a few years ago and flopped spectacularly. <laughs> so I don't want anything that I say to be uh, seem as uh, sour grapes or any reflection on the people who were successful because they've been pretty useful, most of them. Um, the purpose, I think, I think we've lost sight of it because of the way that the role has changed over the years um, and people forget that at one point Legislative Council was the seat of power, it was the seat of the executive around the governor who was the chief executive. LegCo was made up of crown appointments and they were the the dominant chamber uh, and the House of Keys was very much the, the poor relation and now it, it's gone the other way leaving uh, the Legislative Council looking semi-redundant really. Uh, so there are mixed views about what it's for. And why do we actually need to have all these different separate uh, parts to Tinwald? Well, there's the there's the kind of history aspect, but I, I think I, I think it, it, it's useful to have a second chamber as a backstop, um, just with that ability, it's like a safety net, really. When you've got a a fairly small and sometimes very inexperienced primary chamber. Um, why not have people standing behind them to just raise issues and say, you know, did you really mean to do that? And at most they can just pause things for a while. Um, the other thing is that increasingly the House of Keys is dominated very heavily by the executive. So there's a role there for LegCo on the scrutiny side to counterbalance that very dom- heavy dominance of the of the government, and is it doing that? Not visibly, no. Um, I think because there's this um, lack of clarity about what it's there for. Some of the members see themselves primarily as scrutineers, but there's also this, uh, people who get involved in kind of government managerial roles. Um, you certainly don't hear a lot of scrutinising questions in public from MLCs. Um, you do occasionally, and you see some scrutiny work led by them. Um, but I, I think we, we could do with quite a bit more and, um, and a greater focus on that scrutiny. Um, and I think one of the reasons why they don't like to ask awkward questions is that they have been made to feel like like they're not a legitimate body mm. and that if they make a lot of noise, well, nobody voted for you, shut up, sort of thing. Former Chief Minister Howard Quayle made, uh, is reportedly uh, made various sweeping comments about some of the members of Legislative Council who were hauled into his office and told in no uncertain terms that their role was to support the government, or, or words to that effect, and no doubt if yeah. uh, Howard is listening he'll be saying, no, it wasn't yeah. quite like that, but but that that's the perception. Certainly, that is the perception, over. and if it was true, it was quite an extraordinary episode, mm. given that they'd just elected in a, um, a large number of women in the interests of diversity, and the women were then told off for um, causing trouble. But that you know that's possibly a, a misrepresentation of what actually happened. I think because people want to be constructive, they're public spirited people. They want to be positive. They want to help, 
and and people see that as you know getting involved in in activity being busy helping on departments helping with committees and so on and uh, scrutiny itself is not perceived as a form of support but actually it is because you're helping with the quality of decisions quality of information and so on so i think we really need to refocus on what legco is there for and and make it primarily about scrutiny that that detachment and that perspective from what's going on down in in the house of keys almost all the members are members of government as well as parliament and a lot of people um, who who are have no interest in politics mm. uh, confuse the two uh, the, it is quite a, an important distinction yeah. and all attempts so far at trying to reform things on the island so that we have less or fewer members actually as, as part of government uh, seem seem to have, have fallen by yeah. the wayside it, it's it, i think it's almost seen as not relevant to the isle of man i remember the the late great victor neil when i was talking to him about this he said well you know down in the westminster they got time for that fancy business but <laughs> we we haven't got you know we don't, we work differently up here and I, I think th- this is the root of a, a lot of the issues where you, there's a perceived lack of challenge, a perceived lack of criticism, because everyone becomes absorbed in one way or another with with the kind of ruling government. And it, at a stretch, you could almost say that it, each administration becomes a form of one-party state. And it's all, well, having been there and, and been part of this bubble, uh, you do, you, you, you lose sight of of the reality as as perceived by everybody else outside of the government yeah. bu- bubble, don't you? Because you're living and breathing a particular policy and a particular idea, and uh, you're as ever with government, nothing ever happens quickly. It takes a long mm. time to develop, and it may well be that the issue that you're trying to resolve uh, in the public's mind has moved quite dramatically in a different direction, but you're still doggedly pursuing this particular policy because everyone around you is is part of the government team and all pulling together mm. and, uh, and, and and yeah it's, and that's what mlc's could do more of is actually pull the debate back to you know how it might be seen by members of the public you know the the sorts of questions that the public would want to know and that could just be where are we up up to with that policy that you is in your in your plan, you know, give us an update. Now, I know they get those updates in briefings, and I'm not going to get too preoccupied with that. That's one of my hobby horses. But that's the kind of information that should be out there in public, and MLCs could help draw that out. It doesn't have to be a question that someone's got on to you about, some kind of local issue. It could be just, you know, it gives the ministers then an opportunity to give the public um, an update. Something else which is quite new, I think, in in terms of uh, Legislative Council is um, members of LegCo from a particular area of the island being classed as southern members, northern members, whatever it may be. Um, That that really is an extraordinary uh, position to be in because... Legislative Council, because they don't have any constituency, mm. um, they effectively are there to represent the whole island. Um, is, are there any dangers in this idea of having um, me- LegCo members f- attached to particular areas of the island? 
Yes, I would have thought so. I mean, it, it is a, a, an extraordinary development. Um, I wouldn't have thought it was any part of an MLC's role to kind of back their constituency and, and work as a kind of, you know, support, you know, like a tag team with the with the MHKs for the area. But may, maybe this is how things evolve. But um, again, it, it it raises the question of what what are they meant to be doing there? I would have thought they were there on a national basis and on the general for the general public interest and that actually getting too involved in constituency issues um could undermine that focus on the general public interest because of course they are national politicians aren't yeah. they and and, and yeah. i think sometimes um this is forgotten possibly even by members of legislative council that uh, actually they are national politicians they they uh, and, and any politician worth their salt should be engaging with the public they should be making clear their views they should be talking to the media they should speak in in whatever parliamentary debates that uh, that, that they happen to be involved yeah. with um but it's, uh, yeah that some some members just don't seem to get that at and all and i think they? that's a danger for members generally is that the people want to be busy they want to be supportive and constructive and they then, then their job becomes focusing on the work that they have been given to do, but there's there's a space where they need to use their own initiative, ask their own questions, and and just challenge, you know, and, and say, I don't understand this. Explain it to me better. Because there's no such thing as a silly question in politics. Uh, you know, the you you need to be prepared to ask silly yeah. questions. You you know the, the, and, Again, I had a discussion not too many weeks ago about uh, political egos, and yeah. sometimes those egos get in the way of asking the silly questions, don't they? Yeah, and of course that's one of the reasons why the members like to have private briefings, because they can ask stupid questions, or what they think are stupid questions, without the embarrassment of the public hearing them. But actually the stupid questions are often the best ones, and they're the ones that the public would want to ask, and that the answers are what the public want to hear. Okay, well, let's have a, a, a little look then at the whole uh, legislative council election process. Yes. Um, I mean, if you use your example, uh, uh, your your um, candidacy, hmm. uh, how how did all that happen? Well, um, yes, I, I I came into it quite late. It was one of these kind of rash decisions that you know. Well, I'm going to go for it. You know, get out of your comfort zone, sort of thing. And what I found was that the, the, the wise people had had got in there very early on and had been had been canvassing for um, nominations very early on. So that by the time I and others got into the field, it was quite a quite a busy field, as I remember. Um, a lot of the members, the MHKs, were already committed to other people. Um, so I struggled to get the nominations. I was grateful for the ones that I eventually got. But it struck me that that it was a, a as a form of job recruitment. It was rather odd, in that the the interviewing panel were committed to some candidates before they knew the full range of candidates available. Now that makes it sound like you know I'm just a bit bitter and what have you. And as I said before, you know the people who did get in were very good. So I'm not criticising that particular outcome, but I think it's a strange system where people have decided very early on that they are going to back 
you know, A, B and C, um, without knowing that there are other people who might be better coming along later. Yes, I mean, it seems a, an odd thing to commit yourself before you know the full, yeah. the full I mean, field. and what you could say is that, you know, by, by agreeing to nominate or be a supporter of someone, you're not necessarily bound to vote for them, but I, I think you probably... Yeah. You probably are. Yeah. And um, in that that particular case, the the House had clearly agreed amongst themselves very early on that they were going to take the opportunity to put a lot of women in, in the interest of diversity. And actually some of those people have subsequently become very successful members of the House of Keys. So that was a, that was a good outcome. But I think the whole system needs reviewing because... If LegCo are the scrutineers of the keys, then should the keys be appointing their own scrutineers? It's it's a, a, a great way of uh, proceeding if you happen to be in the keys, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, and I think there needs to be some kind of detachment somehow or other, short of public um, election of LegCo, because if the public voted for Leg LegCo, you would get that clash of ma public mandates. Mm. And the second chamber could then claim to have a stronger mandate than the first, and that could be a recipe for stalemate. But um, Lord Lisvane, God bless him, uh, one of the things he recommended was a nominations commission, which would take in um, applications for, for LegCo candidates, scrutinise them against or assess them against a, a, a clear job description, and then they would propose those to be voted on by the keys. Mm. So it would that would agree um, achieve a degree of, of uh, separation there. But interestingly, the keys just didn't go for that. Yes, there was an awful lot. In fact, very little. I think in less less vain that didn't uh, that, that that didn't didn't end up on a dusty. Yeah, I mean, show. he he also saying reverting to this issue about most members of the parliament also being involved with the executive. That struck him as extraordinary. I mean, mm. he remarked on that and said, really, you know, you, you need to have fewer parliamentarians involved in departments. And even though they, there's no longer a financial penalty for staying out of departments, most members, because they want to be busy and they want to work hard and be seen to be working, are still involved in departments. The other thing, of course, which is has changed in, in recent LegCo elections is uh, members of the Keys have to put their money where their mouth is uh, in as much as um, it's a public vote now. Yes. Whereas yeah. uh, in, in the past, members could promise uh, votes to every single yeah. candidate and, uh, and then, of course, uh, do the dirty deed uh, oh, in, yeah. in, in the secrecy of... But, uh, but it used to be a, a, a real pantomime, if you recall mm. you know they, they they could never achieve a clear result and it would it would go on forever i think yes um, yeah and and there was a well there's always been a feeling that the members any elected member to legco should command at least 13 votes in the keys which effectively is is the majority mm. of members um but again does that reflect society you know if you happened you know if you looked at it from the the uh, the, the sort of the um the two-party systems that uh, we, we see across the water, particularly in, in, in the UK, um, you could have a situation where one party had 60% of, of, of the vote, the other had 40% of the vote, which meant that 
um, if if we had mirrored that on the island, every single LegCo member would be the f- from the party that had that sixty percent. So you then don't get the the diversity of opinion, yeah. perhaps in, in in the same way. Um, but of course, uh, politics on the island isn't isn't uh, like that. No, no, it's 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 um, nowhere near so rational, is it really? But but the the other issue, of course, is this um, question about whether people who have um, been unsuccessful in Keys elections should that should subsequently stand for and be elected for legislative council. Um, and there is this view that you know the public have rejected you, therefore you have no place in Parliament at all. Um, and I think that's a little bit overstated. I think if if you have been rejected in in terms of having got you know like three votes, then I think the public have rejected you. If you've come second in a Keys election with a few hundred votes in support, then actually you've got more public endorsement than somebody who just walks straight in from civilian life, so to speak. It's certainly a, a, an unpopular thing, though. There's only there's only two members I can think of, um, and that was Claire Christian. Uh, the, the 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 original Claire Christian, yes, uh, yes. uh, 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 f- went on to become uh, president mm. of uh, Tinwald, and um, of course Paul Crane. Yeah. Um, th- I can't think of any others, uh, all the other members who who have um, lost out of the yeah. Keys election and then got elected in. So it's it's obviously not something that uh, Keys members are keen to to to, to yeah. do. But some some runners up in some keys constituencies will have got more votes than people who succeeded in other constituencies so it's quite hard to judge and i, and I do think um the the old idea of actually having members being elevate mhk's elevated straight up to legislative council it went out of fashion but i think there is something to be said for having some genuine elder statesmen there who remember where the bodies are buried who remembered what failed 15 20 years ago and that um, corporate memory, which is so lacking now, both amongst the politicians and indeed the officers, is quite valuable because otherwise you get this kind of year zero mentality, you know, where people are reinventing the wheel and how hard can it be? And, you know, things are different now. And I, I, I'm a bit sceptical about that. Yes, and, and scepticism is a good thing, um, but equally... Um I, I remember, and I've, I've, apologies to li- listeners, I, I, you've heard this this one before, but uh, a, a very experienced uh, member of the Doyle uh, came came over to the island and was speaking to me, and uh, you know, I was talking about potential mm. constitutional reform, and said, "But I need some more experience before I do that." And he immediately said, "No, no, you don't need the experience. That once you get the experience, you become so familiar that you don't." Uh, you, you you resist change rather than promote yeah, it, yeah. and and potentially having a, a relatively naive uh, keys and legco allows for some of these uh, things. Oh to, yes, to, yes. To oh, definitely. Without the baggage, you can you can sometimes see things more clearly, but equally, it doesn't do any harm to have a couple of kind of Statler and Waldorf figures you know, <laughs> in the corner. Saying, well, you know, this will never, or like uh, Private Fraser from Fraser from Dad's Army, uh, it'll never work. Um, no, yeah, you need that. You need a balance, really, of experience, and then that diversity of people from different backgrounds, 
and getting that balance right is part of the challenge. Do you think any members of the Keys mm. might uh, might have a go at this? Gosh, I hadn't really thought about this current lot. Um, as you say, they 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 would make themselves unpopular if they. It's seen as certainly kind of mid mid term, taking the escape hatch to evade the judgment of the populace is uh, it's not it's not it doesn't look good, does it? And of course. Uh, one member who who famously did this um, and then st- stood back and and fought and and got uh, re-elected uh, was uh, Tim Krukel. Yeah. Um. And I suppose there's there's him and Dewan Watterson are, are, are the 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 more more mm. experienced Keys members. It's I mean I think it's unheard of to think that the the speaker would would step down and and uh, go for Letchco, mm. um, but. Um, T- Tim Krugel, I suppose, is the is the only other experienced yes. uh, member left in, um, and in whether, Keys. And whether he would go back up again, I mean, mm. that would start to look a bit, a bit strange, wouldn't it, if he was to do that? I doubt that he will be thinking of that. Yeah, there have been members in the past that have done I think, uh, uh, was it Leonard Singer? So, uh, certainly um, Dominic Delaney, I think, might have uh, yeah. done it, had a bit of a yo-yo uh, <laughs> yes. uh, uh, thing with uh, Keys and Ledgeco. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so so we await uh, with interest uh, who all the candidates are going to be, and, and mm. on, or and at least who's who's going to be successful. Um, it, it, it's it's hard as, as as I think we've discussed. It's hard to to really assess and understand what um, keys are looking for. And indeed, I've asked uh, a number of uh, the, the the candidates we know of, and. Uh, their view is that there's at least three uh, different threads um, that that you get from the the Keys members. I mean, some Keys members are absolutely adamant that you shouldn't be serving in government. Other Mm. Keys members are absolutely adamant that you should. And then there's a third camp which, well, you can, but, you know... Yes, but know your place. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And indeed, I have heard from some Keys members who say, actually, we we really do need to have the challenge. We, we, you know, we're we're having it far too easy. Indeed, I'm I'm told uh, ministers are, are, are giving... Um, uh, um, pep talks to to the members to say that uh, uh, you need to you need to be better at scrutinising us. You're giving us far too easy a ride, which is a bit of a mm. dangerous. Uh, you know, careful what you wish for. Absolutely, uh, yeah. yeah. Yes, we're missing a, uh, probably missing a, the likes of uh, a Peter Caron or, or someone yes. like that who who yes. was a constant thorn in the side the, of government. They were the the. Uh the grit in the underpants, I think, is, is you know, it's it's uncomfortable, but I think necessary. Well, how could how could we <laughs> advance on the, on that thought, um, <laughs> Alistair? Thank you very much. Cheers. That was Alistair Ramsey and myself mulling over the whole subject of legislative council. What's it for? Is there any future in it? Uh, and all kinds of uh, other questions. For now, though, I'm Phil Gorn, Gorham Ios and Thanks for listening.